Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me do my little intro. <clears throat> I'll look you right in the eyes to make it real uncomfortable for both of us. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I can look you in the eyes for days. <laughs> now you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, What's My Thesis? Today, I'm not going to have any problem saying the name of my guest because uh, I've actually heard him pronounce it before. So it's Zach Klein. So how you been, man? Everything good? Everything's great, brother. Yeah, yeah. really busy. Um, but I like busy. I like to be in the flow and to have a lot of projects and things going on. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm super excited about yeah. this. Yeah. You want to get right into it? I spent most of the day um, just writing a shit ton of notes. And, oh, for real? Uh, kind of getting everything down that I wanted to get down. Nice. And, you know, pulling. I mean, I have some references that I haven't thought about for quite a while. But it's oh, wow. stuff that influenced me when I was in graduate school at CalArts and even before that, like wow. in my mid-20s. Your um, mid-20s. Yeah. Yeah. When did you, you, where did you live growing up? So, uh, I was born in Texas. Okay. In, uh, on, on Galveston Island. There's actually, uh, <laughs> There's an island there's off an island of Texas? There's an island in Texas, yeah. Wow. As if Texas needed more landmass. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Galveston's like, ooh, me too. Um, and the is thing, that what, is that in, that's not in the Gulf, right? It is. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's in the oh, Gulf. Oh, that's very specific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The uh, Galveston Island was the site of the worst natural history disaster in U.S. history, actually. Okay. Um, I think I said history twice. Um, but there was a hurricane in 1901 that literally leveled the entire city, and approximately 4,000 people died. What? Yeah, 4,000. That's more than my high school. Yeah, man. High schools are big these days. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just just gone. It was Galveston was set to be the port city in Texas. Mm -hmm. And once it got wiped out, then uh Houston basically took over, which is 45 minutes north mm -hmm. of Galveston. Um and it changed the history of Texas, which wow. is kind of crazy. Every summer, uh actually, you know, a little bit after summer. How did it change the history of Texas? Well, I just mean that Galveston was on the up and coming. Oh, that, that okay. So it just and stopped being yeah, yeah. yeah redirected just, where that would. I guess more accurately, I can say it changed the history of Galveston. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Galveston. I was like, yeah, man, Texas is big. Yeah, Texas is big. You can handle it, I guess. And by the way, I I, I realized after I said it, like, oh, 
Actually, all of Texas is in the Gulf, right? <laughs> yeah, I was wasn't going to comment on that one. Like, it, ha- was it, like, it has to be in the Gulf. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it could have been in a lake. You know what? I I'm not strong with geography, so I wasn't going to point that out in you <laughs> and shame me. No, this show is just as much about my ignorance as it is about my knowledge. <laughs> Fantastic. I end up doing that a lot, just correcting myself or saying things and then being like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I like the show already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't. I could talk more about Galveston, but I, I was I lived there until five years old. Okay, and every hurricane season we would have to leave because literally every yeah, yeah. season there would be a hurricane or two that came through. Wow! And I remember leaving, and I remember coming back, and uh, the the beaches were just completely trashed. Um, yeah. And it was such a such a strange experience for me to, to do that. Yeah, so I, I lived there till I was five, Galveston. And mm-hmm. then when when I was five, my family moved to Fresno, Central Valley. Okay. In California. And I lived there until I went down to LA for undergraduate. Oh, so, okay. So you've you and undergraduate was when? Undergraduate I started in two thousand and one. Okay. And then finished 2004. And then I took a few years off and I started uh, graduate school at CalArts in 2008. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, uh, that's closer to the time frame that I, I think I know about. Right. Like 2008 beyond is what I know about you. And yeah. maybe some of the stuff from your childhood, just through your work. So yeah, so you want to get into this topic? I'm excited to hear oh, what you man. have. Yeah, this I'd, is this is my favorite part, the reveal. I'd love to get into the topic. For before I do that, um, I want to ask you: Do you have any idea what the topic might be? No, <laughs> no guesses. Huh? No, uh, I mean, you said it was related to your businesses, right? Uh, and one is like that involves design, and uh, you design play structures. In a way, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the things I do. And then, and so, so I mean, I think it would probably have to do with social interactions between uh, people. I think one time you ha- you have experience working with kids, which is, uh, I think, one of the things that once you once told me while you were working at a preschool. <clears throat> was that you're interested in the way that they interact with each other and the way that they play. So I'm guessing somewhere in this neighborhood, you keep nodding your head. So I'm Bingo. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> well done. Your detective skills have paid off. Well, it's the first guess that I know. So. Yeah. <laughs> or not the first one, but yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm more repetitive than I thought. No, 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 no. I mean, but I'm saying like, I, I, it's not that you're repetitive. It's this is the first time you do the show. And uh, I've asked you to give me something that's representative of you. So you basically just, what I went on was describing what I know of you. So that's how I nailed it. That's good. Yeah, I'd rather use the word consistent than repetitive. Repetition is an element in art that's good too. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. So um, I I guess I'd like to start with um, the my what I consider my purpose. Okay. Like why I get out of bed in the morning. Okay. Um, and 
I'm actually going to read this because the wording to me is really important. Mm -hmm. So if it sounds like I'm reading, I am. Mm -hmm. Um, So here it is. First person to quote themselves, (laughs) but it was bound to happen. Of course. (laughs) I'm like a narcissist times a thousand. That's what this show's about, man. Great. Bring it. You're you're at your home. I'm here. I've arrived. (laughs) Let's talk for three hours and make it three shows, shall we? (laughs) So um, I live for witnessing the moment when a human being suddenly realizes that they have freedom, choices, and possibilities that didn't seem to exist before. Okay. I can get into that. So that's like, uh, it ties into sort of some of the things that I'm interested, which have to do with uh, inventing realities. Yes. So, so I'm into it. Go. Yeah. That's a chose yours, sir. Inventing realities is, is, is right up in line with, with this, with this stuff. So I, you know, I'm, I'm selfish in the sense that I, I, love that moment because I also get to experience that moment uh-huh. when I suddenly have a, a type of epiphany. And it happens in all kinds of spaces, right? It happens when I see an amazing exhibition or an incredible concert. Okay. Um, it happens when, as a therapist, I see that aha moment in my clients. Okay. And um, it's it happens in uh, comedy, like I think humor yeah. is a, a prime place for, you know, the audience thinking something is going in one direction, and suddenly, you know, the comedian changes it and, and flips yeah, it, yeah, and yeah. that's what makes it funny. Yeah, and it's so, um, it's so to the core of like, like there's a there's a depth to it that and that makes it funny. Yeah, yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to comment on comedy. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, because we're in L.A. and, like, that shit is, like, everywhere. And oh, there's, yeah. like, millions of people more qualified to talk about it. D- but yeah, WTF, dude, WTF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I mentioned earlier that I'm a collector of experiences. Okay. And I'm also a creator of experiences. Okay. And the experiences I like to collect and create are all aligned with that moment of realization where there's a paradigm shift and I can say, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I can do something this way. Yeah. Or I didn't see the choices that I had in this moment, but now I do. Uh-huh. Um, and I like, I like that as a purpose because it can be manifested in so many different ways. And it has throughout my life. Well, I, and it also seems like it, it's conducive to um, a, a practical way of thinking that is always trying to look outside of itself. So, yeah. Totally. Are you going to talk about chaos magic right now? Or no? I know nothing about chaos magic. Okay, but... that's kind of what you're talking about. Oh, cool. Indirectly. I guess I'll I do need an episode. To, need no, to no, go ahead. I don't, I don't, go, <laughs> go ahead. Um, so that's, that's the purpose. And I have a business partner. Uh, her name is Anna Festa. And she made me promise that I would do a proper introduction of who okay. I am. Okay. So I gave you the purpose. All right. And now I'm going to give you uh, the credentials, quote unquote. Okay. Are you open to that? Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm, I'm, I am have an MFA in studio art practice from CalArts. Okay. I finished that in 2010. And I have 95% of a master's in science degree in psychology and counseling from Cal State Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I've started around eight companies, two of which I am still pursuing, mm-hmm. the rest of which have failed or I have learned from, however you want to look mm-hmm. at that. 
Uh, like you mentioned, I've been a nursery school teacher for five years in the past. Oh, yeah, you're not doing yeah, that I, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That grammar was not correct. I have been. No, I was a nursery school teacher for five years. Um, and I find my inspiration by the uninhibited play of children and adults. Okay. Some of my favorite adult players are David Byrne, Sufjan Stevens, and Virginia Satir. So David Byrne, the David Byrne that the, we all know? The, the David Byrne. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he de- does he de- define himself as a player or do you define him as a player? Uh, uh, like, is this, what I'm saying, is this is this a culture that exists outside or is this something that you are uh, observing? I don't. I you know I don't know if he would identify himself as a player. Um, I know he identifies d- d- himself, but as he a, does crush a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. Big All time. right, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he 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 identifies as an artist, yeah, as yeah. a creator, right? As a, and he's just a really unique human being. He yeah. he lives in New York. But so then, how do you define the fact that he's a player? I get, I get. I'm I'm just. Drawing, yeah. drawing out detail because it's an interesting thing, way that you're defining this person. Yeah. But like, so what makes him, in your opinion, a player? Or do you have a, a, an outline that I'm pulling you from? I'm sorry. No, I, okay. I like tangents. This is great. Okay. So uh, uh, something you should know about me is I don't see much of a difference between play and creativity. Yeah. Slash art making. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, he might call himself an artist and in all the work that I've witnessed him create which by the way he has a vast repertoire yeah. right we know him for music and the no, talking but I, heads yeah, yeah. He, I, but, I, i'm familiar with his art practice he yeah. has one i'm a big fan of guitar pedals as you know yes you lent me the amp that got me going <laughs> sweet <laughs> uh and that i still use um and yeah, it, he has one piece that's pretty cool where it's just the whole floor is laid out with uh, guitar pedals and you just walk on it and it changes the tone of the room. It's yes. pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. It's it, it's such a simple concept, but it's yeah, it's so and, beautiful. And, yeah, and and it's all like it's it's got that sort of his vibe to it too. Yeah, I've I've seen also he's been doing a live tour recently, and I've seen it on Instagram, and I really love how the set is consistent. Like even if it's not at the Hollywood Bowl, the set is the same in like a smaller venue. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I saw that show. And yeah. It, it oh, you, was it your was it your mind. Instagram that I saw? Oh, it was it was it mine? It might have been. Yeah. I, I, uh, with all the glit, like it's tassel, like Christmas tassel type uh, w- walls. Yeah, yeah, it's that's pretty neat. very likely that was mine. Yeah. Okay, so I, yeah, so so I guess we and then describe some of the other people that you mentioned that, that I'm not familiar with. Sure, uh, Sufjan Stevens is a musician. Okay, and um, he comes out of the. Uh, it, what, I don't know if he'd identify this any longer, but he, he for me he came out of the very tiny market of the Christian indie music scene. Okay. So I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian family, and uh, for a long time... I wanted time, you to bring it up. I oh, didn't want yeah. to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, there it is. I just said it. Yeah, yeah, okay. A lot of my... That's already, one of my favorite things about you, though. <laughs> that I'm Not, an ex, ex-Christian? Is that... <laughs> are you an ex-Christian? I thought you were still kind of someone like... Uh, the, no. no you're, are you an all-out all atheist? I'm, no, no, no. I'm not an atheist. Okay. Um, and I Do you believe that Christ existed? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I do. You okay? So you're still somewhat Christian. Uh, no, I'm not, that's not a judgment. No. On this show, I don't make any assertions as to whether God or not exists. I understand because it's kind of where I'm at anyway. Right. I'm so, sort of an apathist. I'm like, 
Sometimes I need him. <laughs> Other times, you opportunist is yeah, what oh, you are. I'm the fucking worst. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but I grew up Catholic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Catholics are ideal opportunists. Uh, no, so I would I would say if we're gonna label, I'm I'm a, I'm very into spirituality, and I think having a, a so you're a Californian. Of, yes, exactly. <laughs> having Which a practice of spirituality is really when you, important. When you said Texas, I was like, but you're the most California motherfucker. <laughs> I know, dude. How is that possible? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, when someone from the South talks to me, if they talk to me for like five minutes or more, the accent starts to come back. Yeah. But for no, now... No, I hear you the accent sometimes. You do? Yeah, okay. I do. Actually, yeah. actually when, you, when you first started talking, when you... F- like. In this episode, I was like, oh, I've never heard that in your voice. Uh, wow. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I swing back and forth between the y'all and the hey, dude. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> I'm like 85% Californian and then 15%. Yeah. And Valencian in particular. Oh. Yeah. From where Cal Arts is. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably true. Um, I So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Christian and, and I would define a Christian generally as someone who believes that Christ was the son of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> man, I did not think we'd go to theology, but look, here we are. Oh, that's um, how we get to two hours, man. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a secret, right? Um, I, I think, so I, I used to be really, um, really antagonistic against religion. And I kind of uh-huh. had to go through that period in order to Properly separate from I don't my think upbringing. Your work was that aggressive, though. There was mm. still some. There, it, it wasn't. It, it was. It didn't lack respect entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's e- funny. Even no. Even when you you well because the one the one piece that you did where you voiced over that video about the um, the rapture the rapture. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, and it and it's funny because I saw that right around the time that that movie. With the um, the the big movie, uh, yeah, this is how it ends, or some shit like that, mm-hmm. um, about people disappearing and yeah, about so anyway, the way that you dubbed that, I mean, it was funny, but it wasn't like you weren't like necessarily aggressively mocking. It wasn't like mm-hmm. the t- it, tonally, mm-hmm. it was playful as opposed to being didactic or yes. preachy or you yes. know, it's sort of like. <laughs> and the fact that it's a video that you grew up watching um, and that you're being a, a little kid about it, I think gives it a little bit more sophistication than just being rebellious. So like mm. when you say that you you felt rebellious, it wasn't necessarily like it wasn't part of your practice, I don't think. Right. I mean, like like rebellion, but not. Uh, the the way you worded it initially was like made it seem like your work was like fuck the church and all that and that's not at no. all it's it's it is uh it's showing of what the experience is like it's it's revelatory to who you are uh it's personal and it's but it's not um it it, it doesn't feel angry there no. may have been anger yeah. behind it, but it doesn't. That's not what you take away mm-hmm. from it because you have so much fun watching the movie. You mm-hmm. basically make a shitty movie fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I, I think that um, anger is and um, disrespect and whatever a- antagonism is on a spectrum. Yeah. So for me, I felt like I was going pretty far coming yeah. from where I came from. 
which was and I think very and I think pious the, and respectful and you know don't ask questions that kind but of I shit. think also that goes into how you define Christians differently than me because to me you're a Christian uh at, fuck you man no no <laughs> no but like but the, where, where your personal center of that is it's like you know like well I don't think that because I didn't grow up in the U.S. where I see like the whole world of Christianity where there's like niche and niche and niche and niche. And then like, oh, there's these Christians, which are really intense and these Christians, whereas like I grew up in Italy, so it was like Catholics. And then I grew up in Miami and it was Catholics. So it was like, you know, for me, all anything outside of Catholicism is fucking is a mystery and it all falls into Christianity. Right. Uh. And and then also I think like I don't know I don't necessarily know how I feel about Christ. I mean there might have been an actual person but like what we have now came was told so far behind that like I don't even know how to approach that. So um so it's one of those areas that I just don't dwell on. Like I don't just I or I don't spend time thinking like, was there a Christ or wasn't there a Christ? Because it doesn't necessarily affect my life that much. Uh, as opposed to like in moments that I've been really low where I've gone, God, please help me. You know, uh, I just, I don't think that I need a son to help me get to the dad, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I do know. (laughs) But so that's when, when you say that you believe in Christ and like, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm ambivalent. Uh, as to whether I think uh, uh, or apathetic is probably more appropriate. Ambivalence m- maybe implies a little bit more discomfort within me than I actually feel mm-hmm. about it. But uh, but yeah, I, I think believing in Christ sort of is why I'm like, oh, you're Christian. Not because you're uh, a zealot or anything like that, which is, I think, where you might be defining Christian as like, uh, traditionalists and stuff like that. Whereas I would consider Catholics Christian, which most people don't. <laughs> their their own category. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I get why they don't think that. But mm. for me, it's like, yeah, that's you. It's in my Venn diagram of apathy. <laughs> could you, you put know? that on a T-shirt, please? <laughs> in my Venn diagram of apathy, that that could actually work. That I think could be fantastic. <laughs> so um, I still disagree with you uh, around you calling me a Christian because okay. I, I don't say I believe in Christ. Okay, I say I believe Christ existed. Okay, and from what I understand in the research, there's almost no dispute that there was a, dude named a Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah, I'm sure that that. I yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, but, um, do you believe that he died for our sins? Uh, metaphorically no. I'll take, and, and I'll accept that. But, but do you think that literally? Oh, literally no. Okay. No. All right. Then you're not a Christian. Yeah. Okay. Finally. That's all I wanted was for you to say that. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. No, I I'm mean, just, it's, I'm it's important to work these things out. No, it, it is. <laughs> We're having a religious therapy session where right. I'm talking about my hangups too. <laughs> it's not, I'm not, this isn't all on you. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, interacting, people playing. Mm-hmm. Interacting, people playing. Um, so, yeah, so you're right about the topic. It it, it is about play, mm-hmm. but it's it's like play is sort of the center, and there's a lot of outshoots from from that. 
hopefully in this conversation, as mm-hmm. we've already witnessed, but also in my own life. I'm someone who gets bored easily, yeah. and I have a lot of interests, and I just sort of soak up information in the areas that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I'm a big picture person, so I like to kind of look at... Uh, big systems and how they're connected and different disciplines. I don't like to be a specialist. Yeah, but you're also good at at, at breaking down uh, the small tasks that it takes to get to that bigger picture, which not mm. everybody is. I think mm. a lot of artists get it, get caught up in the big picture idea and the execution isn't necessarily there. And I'd say that you are very much a person that I would say approaches life as if it is a game uh, instead of being yes. uh, so much burdened by it. So that's also why it was so easy to nail down. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like I basically said, like, you're like, hey, man, life should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. like, I'm so like, glad I think that you, you can... enjoy paying bills and shit like that. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that you see that in my life because it means that, you know, what I say my purpose is. Is yeah, actually yeah. playing oh, out in my actions. You. And yeah, my... you're not like I'm telling the audience like you're not full of shit. This is like legitimately, right. like uh, a, a definite, you know. <laughs> which is why I find you such an interesting dude, especially because of all the <laughs> all the life experience. You know, being from Texas, it must be so difficult. And Galveston, Galveston, Galveston was the future. <laughs> it was. And then you guys had to then, leave. <laughs> it was devastated. Four thousand down. Yeah, I um, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw something out at you. Okay, and this is this is uh, I guess it's like the beginning of the thesis statement. It's sort of it's sort of the platform around which all of these um, ideas about play are, are built. Okay, um, and and that is my fundamental belief about child development. Okay, um, uh, first artist that has one <laughs> that's been on the show. <laughs> <laughs> People need to get their shit together. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, should, that's going to be my my new intro question. Yes. I'm be like, uh, so what are your <laughs> beliefs about child, child development? development? Uh huh. What? You don't have any? Oh my god! Uh, get out of my show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I learned this. I, 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 both um, from textbooks, but also from watching children, you know, mm-hmm. in the field, so to speak, as a nursery school teacher for five years. And it's a really simple idea that has pr- profound impacts on, on children, but also on us as adults. And the idea is simply that children require a certain um, foundation of safety, yeah. In their lives, like love, protection, safety, uh, nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they require that to grow, but they also require that in order to have the courage to take risks. Yeah. So an example might be, um, you know, a, a, a loving uh, parent who tells their child that they love them and that if they make mistakes, it's fine. And um, when the kid falls down and skins a knee, um, they, they, they say, oh, man, you fell. I'm so yeah. sorry. It hurts. Um, and Acknowledging, validating. It's okay. But then, yeah. Exactly. And give, giving them the space to feel and then saying, all right, it, it's time to get up and go on out there. You know, uh-huh. you're going to fall in life. 
it's going to happen again and again. But look at how far you've come. Mm -hmm. Look at how you've developed. Yeah, right? yeah. You used to be a baby and you couldn't even run. And now yeah. you're, you're zooming around all over the place. Right? It, it's, it, it's kind of an esoteric... Uh, or it, it, it's a concept that's simple and not talked about a lot, but I, I see its importance because I see it reflected in the world of adults as well. Yeah. I see it reflected in the choices that we make on every level from what our career is uh -huh. to what our hobbies are going to be to, you know, what we, um, what we have for dinner. Okay, maybe not that. But like, you know, how how I'm programmed by this. <laughs> well, we are. We're we're programmed creatures. Yeah, no, you know? definitely. And it's usually totally unconscious. It's it's how um how did our parents handle risk? Yeah. How did our parents make decisions around what to do with their lives? Yeah. And so much of those decisions are based on an old model of being in the world. And the world has has been transformed. Yes. The world has radically changed wow. from our parents' generation. Yeah. And they have great ideas about how we should be in the world. And maybe some of it's true, right? Yeah. It's a good idea not to kill somebody. It's a good idea to... <laughs> Wait, is that your argument? <laughs> no. You know, I mean, parents Parents say, you know, don't... You know, They're so moral, those parents. Don't kill Don't anyone. kill. That was, that was the only rule my parents gave me. Um... You know, there, there's there's things that are fundamental to being human, and there's things like, you know, how do you have a career yeah. that have shifted dramatically? Yes, and are shifting faster and oh. faster every year. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when I was a, a nursery school teacher, um, we would talk. The teachers would talk amongst themselves, and we believed that we could basically identify the psychological health of, of children based on how they played. Okay. And, um, you know, but this isn't backed scientifically. This is just well um, observation. It, there, it, there are studies that back it up okay. actually. All um, right. now we, we weren't, we weren't trained scientifically to identify this. Mm. I think that we were really good at it. Okay. Uh, because we just had incredible observation skills, uh -huh. right? We were not a typical nursery school. This was a school called Oak Glen okay. Nursery School. Uh, it was this you know private school in Echo Park, and never advertised. It was only word of mouth, oh, and it was this yeah. like idyllic play based space mm -hmm. where kids ran around half naked in their underwear, and it was very hippie, you know? <laughs> it was lots of fun. Um, barefoot. Yeah. No, barefoot all the time. Yeah. I still prefer barefoot, you know, over any anything else. Yes. Most, unless it's winter, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but we would observe kids who um, had a level of, of confidence, right? And it's uh -huh. usually some kind of uh, comfortableness in their own skin. And also... Um, their ability to interact with other kids, you know, play in in terms of the realm of children, especially, is so much based on community, uh -huh. and it, it teaches children how to interact with each yeah. other. It teaches them um, uh, how to regulate emotions and do a number of other key developmental tasks that form the basis of a human life. Yeah. No, I was just thinking about like silence. How that's gonna? I was just thinking about how that's gonna affect, be affected by all the uh, proposed technologies of like 
Oh. AIs being teachers and shit. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, that's something else I had down in my notes is, is commenting on education. I don't know if yeah. it's time to go there or not. No, no. I, uh, whatever, however you want to do it. I, I did want to just tell, tell you a quote that a really good friend of mine, um, who's both a colleague and a, and a, and a friend, uh, said to me, his name is Adam Feldmuth. And, um, he is, he's a really interesting guy. Um, I would say interesting artist. I don't know if he identifies as an artist, but he's somebody who, like you, has conversations with artists about their practice. Uh And that's his practice is having these conversations. He, um, you know, I was in a dark period at one point in my life and just had a lot of fear and, uh, some depression as well. And I was having trouble making art uh-huh. And he just simply asked me a question. He said, how, do you, uh, how can you create a feeling of safety so that you can take risks? Yeah. How can you create a feeling of safety in order to take risks? Something like that. And it was, it was profound to me because I, I realized, oh, my God, as an adult, I still feel just as scared perhaps as I was as a child. Oh yeah. But I have there's no these... one to look to, to take care exactly, of Exactly. Right. And there's yeah. no sense that dad will make it okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, I, this is my responsibility. Yeah. I have to make these choices. It's up to me. Yeah. And for a sensitive artist, uh, that can be very overwhelming. Yeah. Um, what if I make the wrong decision? A lot yeah. of that fear of making the wrong decision comes from, my childhood growing up in fundamentalist Christianity where things were either black or white. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's right or wrong. There's no middle ground here. There's no gray. So a lot of my journey has been sort of tossing those concepts out the window and, and diving into the gray areas and enjoying them for yeah. what they are. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, um, I don't know. I I think I mean I think back on just like just childhood and and whatnot and how important a lot of that plaything is but then I think that there comes a, a time in like artists lives where there's uh, there's a transition right where now people expect you to spend less time on those things on, on like playful things and, and, and things like that. And I still have issues with like, whenever I'm just, it's hard even doing this. It's like, it's hard to think in terms of like, I'm actually being productive right now. Like, (laughs) you know, uh, so productive. (laughs) Yeah. And, but, but, but then at the same time, like it's just, it's kind of pounded into you from a young age that, if you're not making money from it, like, what are you doing? And so I think a lot of the struggle of just order, uh, sort of, I think when you are an artist, you're kind of stuck. It's not, it's not like a, a joyful, uh, it's a burden because you have this need to sort of communicate in a specific way that no one really cares about. Everybody wants to exploit. Oh, you can draw. I don't want to pay you, but draw something for me. It's easy. And so like, it's one of the most disposed, uh, and, and even design and graphic design and all that make me a website kind of shit. It's, it, uh, you'll get exposure, you know, it's one of the things that like is, is, is always, um, 
why am I doing this? And the people that really can't stop themselves from being artists (laughs) really can't, you know? And that's why people will go into like so much debt to just to go to school to sort of feel like they are, uh, first of all, like they're valuing their, like they're investing right into their practice, into their artistness. Um, and for me, it was really hard to just decide like, at this point, it doesn't seem like a good career move to go to grad school because I don't need to get in all that much much debt. But I think that there is something that there's something validating about going through that process that is maybe more accessible to like the broader community that don't understand why you need to be engaged in these um, in these things that aren't necessarily going to make you money, but you still need to do it. It's like, it's essentially a problem, (laughs) you know? And, and like, and then again, you can be burdened by it or you can be someone like you who's pragmatic with it. And I think a lot of, I think that that's sort of the other side of that is sometimes artists end up feeling dirty when they profit from their practice because that somehow invalidates the practice. And so I think, it's it, it there's so much problematic thinking in relation to this stuff that it can be really easy for someone to just get blocked and i mean i've been blocked for for you know before for many years and the th- funny thing about that is then you end up picking up right where you left off like whatever project you were <laughs> you were about to work on you know so um you you said a lot there mm-hmm. and uh I want to. I want to address it all. I'll probably, I'm going to miss a few things that I want to yeah. say, but um, I, you know, <laughs> it's almost like I hear you describing the artist and art making like a uh, obsessive compulsive disorder meets a torture chamber. Well, to some degree, you're compelled to do something that's not profitable, and you have to sort of justify it. I'm not saying it's necessarily always painful, you know. But being broke ain't fun. <laughs> no. You know, and then so I think, and I think that what you sort of have to do is, uh, it's more re- relativism. You, you, you sort of have to decide which one of these values is going to win out. My, my value of do I want to eat? And then once you make that decision, you fucking live with it. I mean, there's plenty of people that are artists and are considered legitimate artists that work in advertising. For me, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. And I just don't feel good at that anyway. And it's not a skill set that I want to invest time in doing. But I could have lived a very different life if I did that. Do I feel bad about that? No. Do other people look at that and not understand that? Yes. So therein lies the burden. Sort of Mm -hmm. like the expectation gap. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and not being able to understand and people just not being able to understand how it is that you feel. And then also having people that are even beyond where I'm at, where they're, they won't, you know, their work is entirely based on making non-objects so that they, you know, so that they really can't make money. (laughs) And that's like the purest form, you know? Um, so I don't know. What else did you want to address? Um, I, st- I still, I'm still there because uh, this, this is, this is one of those moments where there's a possibility mm-hmm. 
of us seeing things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I um, I think that you're you're totally accurate when you say <clears throat> that there you know with with artists uh, artists today have to choose between you know making their work and being poor or making a living and doing something that they don't like or they don't feel aligns with their values. No, I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying <clears throat> you sort of, for your own self, you sort of have to find your way. Mm. And, and, and so like, for example, if I was like, oh, I won't have people on this show that, uh, that make uh, art, but also work in advertising, that would be ridiculous, you know, because they're just as valid as as artists. It's it's what your comfort level is and finding what you're comfortable with. But at the same time, there is something I think that like I think in in particular it's with that sense of oh, why don't you work in advertising? Right? That's such an easy solution for the outsider that doesn't understand. Well, like my thrill isn't in manipulating people into buying things or, you know, even that's moralist the way that I said that, but my, I don't want to sell people things, you know? And if I'm going to sell people things, I would like to, I'd rather sell them ideas, which is why I have this show where I basically just explore ideas. So I don't, I've gotten beyond the point where I feel burdened by it, but I understand like the sense that like, this is something that if you don't do, if you're not making art, you're going to be unhappy. And that's the burden. Not, not none of the other like exterior things, but like if you, but then the exterior things come into it because you still have to make art and no one understands that. Right. Um, so I would, I would say that, um, I would be unhappy if I wasn't able to be creative. Yeah. But in, in this, in the sense of making art, at least as I understand you, um, I would be I would be totally content not operating within the art world context. Oh no, that's different. Yeah, that's entirely okay. separate. Okay, so you're saying making art is like a much broader term. Yeah, just being creative, being creative. And, and being expressive. That's an idle activity that for most people, you know, like like let's say you don't you're you're not entirely in the art world. You're completely outside of the art world. And you're making art, you still have to justify why you spent that time doing that, right? Uh, within the context of, so then it either has to be defined as a hobby, right? Which is something that you do to pass the time to enjoy yourself, but that's invalidating of your art. <laughs> and so, so, so they tell us, yeah. So, so then, I mean, the decision to acknowledge that you're an artist. Is like is an intense one because it first of all it's self serving, uh, it's it's narcissistic. It's I have something to say, you know. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a valid expression of like who the person who the individual is, and it's a difficult one to come to. I'm not saying it's anything like recognizing that you're gay or anything like that, but it is a realization that you have to come to terms with because. It's like, it's not like you wake up one day and you're like, oh my God, I think I'm a banker. I just really love money. 
you know, like that guy has it easy <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that statement, but <laughs> I, I think the, <clears throat> the grass is always greener. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, I think he's got, he's got well, diff- he's not different get problems. Certain, he's not going to get certain fulfillments that I get very deep, totally. you know, and, and that's what the, and so that's what we're drawn to. So like, so, so, uh, bringing it back to like the topic, like, that's that's why I know you so well. I know you as a person that like first of all you're more you you're a performance artist of sorts. You you tend to um circle around that but you're not exclusively doing that. You're obviously but you know, that's a very um separate and itself uh very it's non-profitable, non-profitable, but it's also indulgent in, in a way that, that it, it's, it's self-indulgent, but it's also cathartic. And, and, and so f- externally, it's very easy to sort of have that misinterpreted or have that, ha- have you seen a certain way? Whereas, uh, especially because you're the work in that situation, you're the one that's standing out, um, and, and being observed. So, so it's easy to just be like, oh, this guy's a narcissist or whatever. But like, I've seen some of your, your performances and they're pretty intense. And it's not, it, it's not, it's not like you're not in a trance, you know? And, and so I think that, uh, I can see what you would get out of that. It's not the same thing I get out of art, but I see how profound that experience is with you. And I don't think that you would be the same if you didn't do it, you know? And, and I, how do you feel about that? Would you, could you, I mean, finding an outlet of some sort for that kind of energy, if you don't have it, so that's what makes you an artist. It's not like I'm an artist because I draw. I'm an artist because if I don't draw, I feel bad about not drawing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That energy has to come out somehow. Yeah. Right. It's like emotion. Um, stuffing it down is a, a quick way to, uh, ruin the body and, yeah. and to, to store things that don't need to be stored. Um, you know, I, I, there, there was, there's this, uh, there's this woman who wrote this book. I'm sure many listeners have heard it's called the artist's way. Yeah. Forget uh, yeah. Her I definitely, name. uh, Julia Margaret Cameron. I've That's definitely right, Cameron. used her, her, uh, teachings. Yeah. She's really, she's very, very smart. She's very smart. And, and she, she breaks things down in, in, in simple terms. One of the things that she says is that making art is, is life force that create, yeah. creating is life force. And that, that people who are, um, channels to that have to, they have to keep making in order to feel alive. Actually, I just realized Everything I just said is shit that I learned from that book. So <laughs> I was, I've, been, I've been plagiarizing and misappropriating. Uh, yeah, that's exactly where I get this whole idea. You know, like it's uh, and and when you brought her up, I was just thinking about how. Yeah, uh, and what her thing was is that that was her practice to unlock creativity in other people, right? And and so you could look at that and be like. Oh, that 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 sucks to be the gatekeeper for other people and to be known by that and not by your own art. But I don't know. That's pretty powerful. 
I think know, it's, 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 it's a very powerful practice. It's a, it's, it's a practice that influences so many different practices. Like, you, you, you know, there's so many people that write morning pages and all of that um, and call them that because they know it from her. So the influence that she's had as an artist whose practice is not to make objects, but, well, she was able to market it, though. <laughs> Made a book out of it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, but, like, that, so there's so many different ways of being an artist that are legitimate, that I would say. But, um, but yeah, so what, what else do you have to teach us about, uh, about play? I'm, I'm more curious about this whole thing about interplay. Are you saying that it affects us as adults because of the way we were raised? Or are you also saying that it's um, related to how we play with each other as adults and that since we don't see it as play, it becomes something weird or. Um, yeah, I, I would say all of that's true. Um, because so much is so much happens in, uh, the first three to five years. Um, a lot of patterns are set down as foundational patterns for mm. our lives as adults. Okay. And those could be patterns of, movement of the human body, right? You know, mannerisms, mannerisms, like how someone moves or how they talk, right? Often is set very early, Mm -hmm. but it's also, um, it's also pathways in the brain and how someone thinks about the world, which usually comes from primary caregivers and that, Mm -hmm. that the the family that's the most close knit, Mm -hmm. but also comes from, uh, peers and, uh, friends and, and, and culture, Mm-hmm. For better, for worse, um, children these days are absorbing a lot more popular culture than they did, um, you know, 50 years ago. And more niche. Like, mm-hmm. I think you can sort of end up getting into this really niche uh, breakdown of how people... Like, I don't even know if this is accurate, but imagine it. Like, if you're... If the kids in your high school get into something, like a YouTuber, but then not everybody gets into him. You know, not not all the schools. Like, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. How, like, little pockets of, of, of subculture being generated like that. What did you do to play as a kid, Javier? Soccer. That was it? Yeah, a lot of it. Um, culturally, it was sort of... I mean, we we did other stuff. I remember also the school that I went to, especially around the age that you're talking about, uh, f- two to five... I went to a British school. It was pretty cool. We all had uniforms. We all had our little ways of making our uniforms look cool as as we got older and were in high school or in middle school, actually. Uh, but um, secondary school is what they call it. So it's like from middle school up. But um, yeah, I did. I played. Uh, we ha- We played cops and robbers things like that. And, you know, there was this wall we would climb that was probably for racquetball in retrospect. Uh, (laughs) uh, And then they had these barrels that we would get in and roll down the hills, which were pretty cool. I'm trying to remember, you know, we would uh, tell the girls we liked them and things like that. (laughs) So a lot of communal activities. Yeah, definitely. A lot of interacting with each other. And then even soccer is a team sport as I get older, where it's sure. like, um, 
that's interesting because I got kind of tired of it because that was the one thing that everybody did. Um, but, you know, I'm very nostalgic for those times now. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was also like if you watch kids playing soccer now, all they do is fucking yell at each other. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no one to organize the game, like no adult, like all they do is like, blah, 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 blah. and it's like a negotiation of like, you know, that like of this is my opinion. There are, it's like a constant, like, Oh, I'm valid. So like they're all, but they don't know how to do it. Like in a, in a calm way. So they just like yell at each other. It's fucking crazy. Wow. <laughs> so, so Yeah. I can see how all of those things like influenced me coming up. And I think that especially with something like a sport, if you're good at it, you have to yell less, right? (laughs) Or you yell more because you're upset that no one's playing well. But yeah. What did you love about the game? Was it competition? Was it moving your body? I think there's definitely some endorphins. And it was a skill, you know, you get good at it and then you start beating the kids in the yard that you used to not be able to beat, you know, and, and so slowly, you know, we used to, there's this uh, Roman bread that, um, is like kind of hollow in the middle is a Rosetta and you can take off like, it has like kind of like a centerpiece that you can take out, uh, and then the hollow thing. So we would put all of our food or, or like our meals in there to eat later in class so we would have more playing so- soccer playing time. <laughs> you knew how to you knew how to save time and focus. Yeah, yeah, and get get more soccer out. Mm-hmm. But then there was time there were times I remember one time where we me and a couple of other friends got made fun of because we were playing house <laughs> instead of playing soccer and it was uh but I re- I remember that as like a valid like um expression of my creativity at the time. I was trying to or do something that was like spatial and stuff like that, you know, and, and organizing and, and using some imagination, which there's not necessarily like you can't imagine things. Um, so I remember, I remember being varied, but not entirely, um, what's it called? Uh, it was always fun and it was never like isolated, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the reason I ask these questions and I probe a little bit is because I, I pretty much do this with whoever I come across. Mm-hmm. Um, the company that I started with on a Festa about two, two and a half years ago, it, the name is Play Mountain. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially what we do is we work with clients who are adults mm-hmm. and we, we spend enough time with them and we do these processes and exercises so until we f- uh, understand and find out what their play types are, okay. Uh, there's heavy research, serious research on um, play types. Okay. And um, one one researcher, Stuart Brown, uh, has identified eight main play types, and we use that kind of as a as a basis for. Um, did you just expose my play type to everybody that listens to the show? Oh, yes, I did. Shit, now yeah. everybody knows me. You're a kinesthete, <laughs> which is am I? a mover. Okay. And I think you're a competitor. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, I'm usually, pretty competitive. Yeah, usually people gravitate towards um, two or three that, that are their strongest. Uh-huh. It's usually not just one. Yeah, yeah. So th- there might be some others 
lurking there. There's also the artist who is yeah. the maker. Yeah. So that that might be part of you as well. Part of me as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but the competitive one is something it's funny because I don't think many people pick up on that. Mm. But I am. You I are. like like not overtly, but I mean yeah, I like to win. <laughs> Great. It's good to admit that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't get, like, furious if I don't, but I try. Yeah. I fucking try my hardest. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah, I, no I, matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get super focused with board games. Oh, yeah. Man. I haven't played a board game in a while. I'm going to have to have, like, uh, a board game night here. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Invite me. I'll, yeah, for sure. I'll compete against you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, so then what do you do with the the information of like figuring out the play types so we figure out the play types and we gather other forms of data mm-hmm. um and i use a lot of my background in psychology to to gather this stuff up um and we produce reports uh a report sounds so boring it's like a play profile mm-hmm. that helps explain to an adult um what their original play types were as children, because yeah. it really does stay consistent. Yeah, yeah. And um, what would be the best ways to begin integrating that original play types, those original play types, into their adult lives? Okay. So you know, how would how would I do that? Yeah, that's a question, right? <laughs> You'd have to pay me lots of money to tell you. Oh, <laughs> uh, you don't want to run a sample session for people. Damn. Oh, damn. It's too under the microscope for me, bro. Uh, uh, you don't want to give away trade secrets. Yeah, that's it. Actually, I just tease you just a little bit. So, um, you know, we we help integrate play into adult into adults' lives, but we always. Uh, we always involve some sort of project towards the end of working with someone that is, um, it's either a play structure or it's a tabletop design or mm. it's um, something that is something that is built and designed uh, based on the journey that we took with our clients. Okay. So um, it, it, it's, we consider it a collaboration and we also consider it a kind of portraiture. Uh-huh. And, that a, a collaboration where they pay you to collaborate. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. I'm yes, going to have to start doing yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking paying, notes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying for this collaboration. We're bringing, we're, we're bringing the skills, you know, yeah. and, and all the insights. And collaboration the artistry. to make you happy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and as you already know, there's a lot of narcissistic people in the world, and um, those and, people... And we don't say that as a negative. <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, I don't actually prefer the term narcissistic. I think everyone is, quote-unquote, narcissistic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the world revolves around us until a certain point, and then maybe it doesn't. Yeah. So I think that's when we die. Yeah, usually. <laughs> unless you reach enlightenment, which is still this, uh, this mythical unicorn to me. Yeah. What did you drop? I dropped a pen, but uh, now it's back. I don't actually think I need this. I've written down a total of like zero words, actually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a process. It's a, it's a really fun, engaging process where uh, we get to take clients through this journey. And by the end, they are able to more deeply integrate play into their lives. And then they also have this collaborative object that reminds them of what they went through and, uh, and who they are as players. And it's, it's a game 
that's representative of their play styles. And yes. does it, is it is it an already existing game, or do you design something specifically for them that we, may not necessarily be playable, but is symbolic, or mm-hmm. how does it work? Yeah, so we... Um, we 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 think about games a lot. We haven't done a game design yet. Okay. Usually, what we have been doing is um, it's usually sculptural in nature. Okay. So if the client only wants to pay for um, like a tabletop design or uh-huh. sculpture, then you know that's kind of like the entry level point at which um, we will we will create something. Mm-hmm. But it, it can go up from there, right? So it can be a sculpture that metaphorically represents a person and their play types and reminds them of, of how to best play. Mm-hmm. But it can also be a literal play structure that is... Oh, like... And which I've seen uh, mm-hmm. pictures of that before. Yeah. You, you, like, and was that... I, I don't know if there's... Uh, uh, client privilege here but uh is that it was that uh modeled after someone's memories of a play structure that they had so uh, the most recent project that we're working on um is is for a client in uh santa monica Uh and um yeah, it's it's a, it's essentially uh we we mind her psyche Uh we 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 understood her the ideal like your perfect <laughs> play structure, <laughs> the one that you never had, but if, if, if you had had it, your life would have been perfect. Is that don't, what you guys Don't did? tell her that it's really my fantasy, <laughs> not hers. No, it, it, it really is true that uh, the enti- all, the, um, all the concepts and decisions in the design are uh-huh. filtered through um, the, the client data. Okay. And and so that could be like literal content in in terms of like why do we paint it this color? Why, why is, is there it, a little pig in the corner? Why is there a pig in the corner? Yeah. Why is it shaped like a giant spider? You know, yeah. whatever it might be, right? All of that stuff are very carefully thought out decisions that are based on who the client is and their play types. Yeah. And you know, they're much more expensive to produce, but they're way more interesting conceptually yes. because you have this, you know, giant play structure slash art sculpture in your backyard, and you get to play on it as an adult. But it also really symbolizes the 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 journey that that uh, the client went through yeah. with us. Uh-huh. Um, I think it works on a lot of levels. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Uh, how do you? Uh... So. Obviously, the questions that you've asked me have been not all of them. How long is the relationship? How long is that process that 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 goes from, like, what kind of attention can people, um, sort of expect, and and like, how long would that be? We've just uh, began a program um, we're, that we're calling play consulting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's similar to being like a play coach, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's an actual thing, but, um, there's connections to coaching and we meet for <clears throat> four months, probably, uh, two times a month. And, um, every session is different in terms of doing different processes and different educational pieces about play and helping the client work on whatever blocks they might have to freely expressing themselves through play. So when you say blocks, like what, what, what would be a block? 
Um, you know, the biggest block, and most blocks come back to this, is, is fear. Okay. Uh, either fear of the unknown or fear of being ostracized by the rest of culture, being rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I mean, that's huge, right? The fear like, of rejection is... You know, that's interesting because I think that that kind of goes to like... I think that secret... Oh my God, you just got to that. <laughs> I think that I'm secret... A you're a sipper. Uh, I think that secretly a lot of people... Um, it has to do with... Um, with typical, with sort of that Julia Margaret Cameron, not, I mean, I'm not saying that you're ripping her off. I'm saying that I was ripping her off when I said this earlier. But yeah, the, the, the idea that... Um... <laughs> I bet that came out. But um, <laughs> the, idea, the idea that I think you're sort of pinning down where that fear comes from, right? By, by addressing like... Or, or not necessarily pinning down where it comes from, but reconnecting people with what they law, what they lose by engaging in that fear. You're nodding your head so much. You can also say yes, <laughs> so that the listener knows that I'm not. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm I'm not using the mic at certain times. I think it's like I don't want to interrupt what you're saying. No, I know, I know, but yeah, yeah. it's fine. It'll it won't it won't be obnoxious. I do that all the time. I'm always like, uh huh, and then I hear myself back, and I'm like, I say, uh huh, yeah, 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 a lot. <laughs> and, then, and then when I listen the next time, I'm like, in my head thinking about what I'm going to say. So I do, I go through that too. All right. All right. Cool. (laughs) But yes, that, that, that sense of fear, I think, uh, I think it's, it's a legitimate, uh, experience that people go through. Um, uh, it's, and it's difficult to sort of get past that as far as, um, just, you know, a lot of artists experience that. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that what you are essentially validating is the idea that every, everybody to some degree is an artist, right? So, and a lot of people have purged this like unnecessary, you know, and it ends up maybe being unhealthy because they purge all these things that are fulfilling and that, that about play, and then they get engage, they engage in going out for drinks and whatnot, which is a nice social practice. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, there's also validity to individual play, right? Like most kids played with Legos growing up uh, yeah. from our generation, mm-hmm. and and that's a very valid. Now you're overdoing it. <laughs> I'm fucking with Jesus, you. I can't do anything right, can I, Javi? It's always different when I know the person that's on the show. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, Am I under a microscope right now? Uh, yeah. What's going on? So, um, so yeah, I want to say something to that. Um, and I don't remember what I was going to say. No, it's fine. It's, yeah, like the, the, the I think part of what I like about doing this show is that most of the guests are artists like yourself and most of the guests. But I've had my friend who's an immigration lawyer who doesn't define himself as an artist, Mm -hmm. but he is sort of a creative thinker, abstract thinker kind of guy that, I mean, he's not 
he, he's too pragmatic to fall in the category of artist because he's a lawyer and he has his own practice and all of that. But some of the most um, fulfilling conversations, and that's not me cracking my knuckles, and that's not Zach cracking his knuckles, that's him cracking his toes. <laughs> that's one of my fetishes. <laughs> um, that's how comfortable we're getting up in here. Uh, and did so, you tell them that we're recording this naked? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's that uh, is one of the requirements of the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you missed that in the intro. <laughs> What's my thesis? <laughs> naked edition. Yeah. No, it's always a naked oh, okay. edition. Got it. Every lady that's been here <laughs> has oh, seen my hairy back. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I like how that ended. Yes. Mm. So yeah, the idea of um, so. One of the things that I like about doing the show is the idea that self-expression through research is yeah. maybe one of the first links to the creative process, right? Because um, as soon as you have an idea that you want to put into practice, you first thing you have to do is inform yourself on it, mm-hmm. right? Um, for example, if you want to do a piece about... A specific topic. <laughs> well I done. Just, I, I was trying to not talk about my work, and then I was trying to not talk about your work, and then I was just like, if and you nothing to came to mind. <laughs> but then I ended up. What on else the word is topic. there, Javi? <laughs> <laughs> and then I came to the word topic, which is what we're doing right now. We're discussing a topic. Great, so, great. So basically, you know, you have your parameters in your art piece, but those are very much determined by. Um, what you learn about the topic, right? You don't decide parameters until you have some experience on what it is that you're doing and what you want to communicate and what will communicate that. So it's all a, a, a process, but there's definitely a foundation in learning. Right? Yes. And, and even that learning can be a creative process is exactly. what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. And that's, and that's sort of the point. And mm-hmm. so what I hear from you saying about what you do is you're, making this process accessible to people that might not feel comfortable. They may be afraid to engage in something because it's sort of, it is a very, uh, it, it can, it can hurt because you, you, yeah. you know, a lot of the times you're, you have fears and you need to get to what is making those fears come up. And that is the confrontation that is painful, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's where that Julia Margaret Cameron book is so effective. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's the idea of writing things down and getting them out of your head. You've already, it's a, it's a, in a sense, you've made them manifest, right? And mm-hmm. they no longer need to occupy your head because they're physical. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've come into the world. They're no longer uh, conceptual in your head. Mm-hmm. They're things, and so you can like lighten your load heavily. So mm-hmm. it seems like you're actually helping not non-creative people, but people that would not define themselves as creative because like we've already covered, it is a commitment to sort of say, hey, I am an artist. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a scary statement in and of itself. Yeah, right? It is. It is. And, mm. uh, you know, and one of the things that I would like for this show is that if, uh, you know, a 15-year-old to 19-year-old kid is listening to this and is struggling with the way how fucked up this world is, and they hear this, you're going to be like, oh, there's like 
at least you can learn about stuff and feel better, <laughs> you know, <laughs> contextualize the world for yourself. And I don't mean like stay up to date on everything that Trump is tweeting, uh, <laughs> you know, like you mean you don't. No, I don't. It would be, I would fucking go insane. No, I definitely don't. You don't need to. It's, it, the craziness will still be there. Amen. You know, um, uh, not to invalidate the things that are going on. Like, this isn't important. This shit, the, the Kavanaugh shit is, yes. and, and if you haven't felt it, I feel for you because you do not realize what's happening. You're completely clueless to what is actually going on in the world right now. And, um, and that's all I have to say about that. We're feeling the, you know, uh, the pre-shocks or the aftershocks or the, or, or the earthquake itself. Yeah. Right. I mean, culture in the United States is, is, is being shaken in a big way. Yeah. And, and, and I think to many, in many degrees, culture is reacting, mm -hmm. but this Kavanaugh shit is fucked up. Mm -hmm. This, this sort of transcends anything that I can just be like, Oh, it'll be okay. No, like that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, cause mm -hmm. with Trump, that's been my attitude. But after this shit, I'm like, no, that's, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. like this is fucked up. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. So Anyway, moving on because we're not qualified. We're two cisgendered men. It's really true. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> cisgendered. Uh, we should be listening. We're, not. I'm white. You're you're not fully white, are you? I'm not at all. White. You're not a white. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> How privileged of me to assume you're partially white. No, I mean I'm European. I'm I'm uh, a Cuban by way of European immigration, but generationally, my my parents are. Uh, there are a lot of Cuban generations. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, that doesn't necessarily make me less, uh, or uh, th that doesn't make me, I mean, I'm privileged. So either way, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. <laughs> but experientially, I'm brown as fuck. Like, <laughs> but like, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. privilege wise, I'm white. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like financial privilege, but yeah. Yeah.